0: Hello, welcome back to the Education on Fire podcast and today we're celebrating June and the fact that we're now producing two podcasts a week for you. Monday, as we have been doing for the last five years or so, but also a regular release on a Thursday. And today I'm delighted to be chatting to Andrew Lockery and he's the founder and CEO of Phosphor, which provides teachers with tools and materials needed to deliver STEM club activities for nine to 13 year olds. After 16 years of teaching science, he found there was a problem with accessing high quality STEM resources that could help him inspire students and engage with STEM subjects, not just in the classroom, but in the world around them. These dynamic subjects are changing at an ever-increasing rate, which traditional curriculums struggle to keep pace with. His mission is to provide time-poor teachers with STEM club materials and resources that are current, easy to deliver, and most importantly, fun for students. Now this conversation obviously talks about STEM and STEAM and STEAMy which we'll hear much more about as we go through but this is a fascinating conversation above and beyond STEAM itself but in terms of the essence of, of what's important in terms of this creative and inspirational learning that of course we talk about here on the podcast but all the skills that you need in terms of creating students that can really be inspired and and take life as they want to in the moment and also the skills that are going to be needed as we go into the workforce but more importantly in terms of creating a world that we we need to live in and to be able to transform the world into a sustainable place as we go forward there's um, a really exciting essence and energy about what it is that we're able to to discuss here but also hopefully take forward into the future so this is my conversation with Andrew Lockery Hi, Andrew. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Education on Fire podcast. It's been a while since we've talked about STEM and science is something which I know our listeners are always really keen to explore and to hear different people bringing it in different ways. Always very exciting. Yeah. So thank you so much. Hi, Mark.
1: Thanks very much for having me on today. Um, STEM is a really, really brilliant up and coming thing that we want to talk a lot about. I'm very passionate about it and I'm really looking forward to sharing my ideas and thoughts on what we're doing with you today.
0: So let's sort of go back in history. Um, Obviously, you didn't start with your own platform, you sort of came through as a teacher to give us the story of how this all came about.
1: Yeah, so um, if we go back to university, I basically attended the University of York. I studied chemistry, and at the end of my degree, I thought, right, what do I want to do? And it was something that um, I wanted to really inspire other people, and I felt passionate about education, and I felt passionate about chemistry. And so it gradually led me to do a PGCE. So I went to Manchester um, in Didsbury, so I'd spent a year training on a PGCE, um, in science and chemistry, and I started my teaching journey um, back in the mid two thousands. Um, and since then, I've taught for sixteen years. Uh, I've taught all key stages from Key Stage two up to Key Stage five. I've taught chemistry as a specialist subject, but I've also taught a lot of physics, a lot of general science, and they those have involved different state schools, independent schools, um, all around Greater Manchester, and so. Um, I really enjoyed my time teaching. And in 2008, I set up my own company as like a side hustle. Um, We were developing resources for chemistry teachers. So we started out with packages where we were developing worksheets um, where teachers could give their class uh, a two-page worksheet about a particular topic rather than just giving them past papers. And we supplied the answer sheets. And um, that's where we all started, really. Um, And since 2008, so I've, work with a lot of publishers, um, developing science content, chemistry, physics, biology, and I've developed content throughout the range from about eight, nine years old, right up to 18. And I really enjoyed it and um, I was teaching alongside it and then it got to the pandemic and then everything changed. And so teaching went online and suddenly it wasn't about the results anymore, it was more about, trying to keep the kids involved, keep the kids um, really um, loving science at the same time as their well-being and looking after everything. And I got to the point where I thought, well, actually, I want to inspire as many children to love science as possible and not just keep focusing on GCSEs and A-levels and grades all the time. I thought this is the future now. This is where we've got a chance to actually redesign education and make it something that's really brilliant for everybody, every student that actually comes into a classroom. Now we can um, concentrate on uh, inspiring them, developing skills, and not necessarily just on grades and exams. Because for two years there haven't really, well, there wasn't really a focus on exams. It was about keeping them engaged. What, what about the content? How can we keep everything going and not let it fall apart? And I think this is the future. Now we've got online learning, we've got teaching in class. And I think this is a time where we can bring a new view to education. What is it
0: we're actually doing and how can we drive it forward? And I think the really exciting thing about that is the fact that, you know, we often talk about, you know, if we could recreate the entire system in one fell swoop, then I think there would be a large hurrah for, for many people. Yeah. And, and and that would be great. But we know that the, that's not feasible and the world doesn't work like that. So I think every time, you know, we have someone like you on the show and a collection of people who are doing their own amazing work in their own field based on their own experience, like you say, that ripple just creates a, a little journey for somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And like you say, why not have the expertise and the knowledge from people who really know what they're doing available to everybody? And I think certainly for me, that idea of, of that sort of hybrid and blended idea of being able to we can get this content from here. We've got our teachers, we've got a mentor, we've got all of these things that we need. And I think that's just a really exciting, exciting concept. But also, like you say, because of the pandemic, very much more becoming more of a reality.
1: Yeah, I think what we can do is we can personalise learning a lot more now. We can use the tools that are online. We can use support, extra support um, in classes. We can uh, develop a whole new uh, ecosystem of education that's not just classroom based. It can be spread out through a lot more different means where we can actually support the kids that need more support. And we can let the kids that are really flying keep flying in even greater um proportions than they would be just in, in the classroom
0: so let's take that um specifically into into your journey so like you say you, you sort of had this side hustle you were doing these worksheets some um, for teachers and 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 now with this sort of new idea of phosphor being able to sort of have a, a branded focus in a certain way so what does that look like compared to what you were doing originally compared to the reality maybe of this new venture
1: so um, now this this new venture is basically t- taking this key things that I believe education should be about and putting them into classrooms uh, up and down the country, but starting with STEM clubs. So that's where my focus is pretty much now is um, we, we really need students as are coming out of um, college and coming out of university that have the required STEM skills that they need for the future. So. Going back a step, this STEM skill shortage can only be addressed at a younger age. Research says that children become turned off by STEM subjects very early on in the process. So what I want to bring with my new venture is the key skills, things like um, creativity, design thinking, um, problem solving, being independent thinkers, communication. These are skills that I think are so crucial and vital for the future. So we need to develop these skills in our students, in our children, as early as we can do. And so the new venture is all about using um, my knowledge of science, um, using um stem boxes so stem stands for science technology engineering and maths these stem boxes that are being produced in america already and they supply individuals but i'm repurposing them for schools for stem clubs to to able to, to enable um the kids to really dive into these key skills that will be really important for the future and not just learning content and um, the traditional science that we have in classrooms at the moment
0: I mean, I certainly think thinking back to, to my schooling, you know, you, you have to go to school and teachers are quite handcuffed in the way of, you know, the national curriculum. And, and like say, with the exams and everything, you know, there's there's a lot of a lot of stresses and strains on that as well. But I think from um, a pupil point of view, it was the fact that my love of music meant that while I had to do The stuff which was um required of me you know the fact that there was an after school rehearsal or there was a music club or this band i was involved in just gave me the chance to to dive into what i loved the most um which then meant that the rest of it just became oh it's just part of my day i don't have any choice about that but this is something i can really one relate to and understand and your social group comes together and like you say it really builds on on i think that learning in a way that's really like I say, creative and inspiring for people, which, of course, is what we're all about here. Um, So I I completely love the idea. And tell us what sort of that STEM club looks like, which is sort of different because it's a club, as opposed to what it might look like in a a chemistry class, for example.
1: Yeah, so um, the STEM clubs are basically taking a project over a much longer period of time. So realistically, the actual activities last for maybe about six weeks. And so they have an hour session every week for six weeks. Now it's broken down into individual elements. So some of it will be designing things, some of it will be building things, some of it will be testing things, some of it will be finding out about the current science connected to that particular STEM idea. So for one example, uh, we have a walking robot STEM box. So the first session, the children find out about current robots what's happening actually in the world at the moment so they go and find out about um, watching videos about robots that are working in car factories that are uh, say designed to help cut some grass outside a hospital or robots that are actually cooking people's meals these are all things that are available and some of them are used some of them are not widely used. Um, the American military uses a military robot dogs to actually look for explosive devices, rather than putting humans uh, in harm's way. Um, there's been a paramedic CPR robot that's been developed that can do CPR uh, on a patient, rather than having a human um, doing CPR and then getting tired. Obviously, the robot can keep going all the time. So the first session, it basically sets in context the actual science that's happening in the world right now, then the second session might go into, right, okay, what would you like a robot to do? What would you like a robot to look like? What, How would it function? What would you design it, make, make it out of? So then they think about designing their own robot, and then the next session goes into right okay well these are the parts for a walking robot you've got to follow the written instructions or you follow the video you've got to build your own walking robot or you build it as a group activity so you have to communicate with each other you have to work out who's going to do what and you build a, a simple walking robot and then the next session might be you test it so this robot's very stable on smooth surfaces but it becomes quite unstable on uneven surfaces So how could you change that robot? Could you add mass to the bottom of the robot to lower the center of gravity, which makes it more stable on different surfaces? Um, So you'd be bringing in ideas about maybe forces that are acting and setting the robot in context with the science you're studying at Key Stage 2, for example, so simple forces. And then you might go on to um, maybe redesign that robot. Well, okay, use those parts and build something completely different. Use your imagination. You can use that simple motor. You can use the parts to build, say, a penguin robot or some kind of other robot that looks completely different. And then it's about bringing that creativity in. So they're thinking about how could it improve. Um, They're testing things in a very safe environment. These are key skills they need for uh, when they come into like a a science lab, for example, using chemicals, which are a little bit more dangerous. But this is more in a sort of playful sense where they can really um, get to grips with making it a robot how they want it to be. And then that just springboards into other things. So they could then go into coding a robot. So uh, write their own code for a particular robot that then they control. So there's lots of pathways after this box that leads to even more advanced things and and so that's where we're getting in like problem solving where okay this isn't working on my robot how do i actually fix it and um, this piece of coding is not working on my coded robot now well what do i do to fix it um like collaboration with other people um creativity curiosity about what is it about robots how will robots be in the future and so it's just bringing together lots of different elements that i think are so crucial in education uh, in a much wider project-based uh, way which you would not have time to do when you're covering the national curriculum
0: yeah and it's it's bringing the whole thing i think projects just bring the, the real world in don't they and it's, it's that kind of like say so all those different elements that you need in order to create whatever it is that you're you're working on just makes that really um, accessible but also kind of yeah and and here we are this is exactly what we're doing here Um, so in terms of the sort of the format of the session you you obviously have all these resources that you've got available it still involves someone at school um, um, a particular classroom teacher does it need to be a particular STEM skilled teacher tell us a little bit about how that would work
1: So it doesn't necessarily have to be a specialist because in the boxes we have created everything a teacher would need to deliver the session. So I think one of the things we found is that we need to make it as easy as possible for a teacher to deliver. Teachers are very much um, worked off their feet with everything they have to do normally. They don't want to run a STEM club in addition, which is going to make their life even more difficult. So if we can supply boxes into them where everything's in there, the teacher notes, the resources, the bits to build the robot, the instructions, everything is predefined. They can then pick and choose to make their own sessions, but they don't have to um, scrabble around for finding different bits and pieces themselves. So it could be someone that doesn't have any experience with delivering science because it's all in the box or equally it could be a science specialist that then is going to take it on even further. So it could be um, like a combination of science and IT where the IT teachers then take the robot example and then they start coding with their children Um, with a different type of robot like a sphero robot for example or a vex robotics or um, a bbc microbit robot there's lots of different options that they could then extend it further themselves so it could be specialist it could be a teacher that doesn't have
0: much experience with stem and it sounds to me as if there could be a real excitement here because it's something which you know like you say the project could even be the starting point for everything that they could expand Mm -hmm. it from the stem club and, and beyond for that matter um but i know lots of teachers who like you say they're overworked and they're thinking oh if only i could do something and i think this sounds like there's a real outlet there for that creativity like you say to kind of to really do what we all got into education for to have that passion but to have that flexibility and the breadth in order to kind of like say to bring it to life in your own way and that creativity goes both sides doesn't it from the pupil as well as the staff I guess
1: exactly so we are focused on nine year olds to 13 year olds so we're pretty much top of key stage two and bottom of key stage three so what we want to do is harness that real interest in science because a lot of kids are still interested in science but the research says that over time, they find that they they believe that science is not for them. So we lose them along the way from maybe a young sort of seven, eight year old that's curious about the world that wants to know about science, thinks it's really exciting, absolutely loves doing experiments in class, even though they're really maybe simple experiments in, in primary school, but they're fascinated by it. But then as they journey to secondary school and then up to GCSEs, um, we lose a lot of kids and we lose their interest. So what I'm trying to do is to plant the seeds in a journey for them, where we actually support STEM teaching right through the age groups until they get to uh, GCSEs, A-levels and beyond. So um, what we would be doing is creating sort of like, a stem ethos throughout the school where stem is given a really important platform and it's woven through everything that the school's doing because stem is the future we can't get away from that fact and stem is for everybody um even if you don't want to go into the science aspect or the technology aspect um we've now got steam which is bringing arts to it so even if you're really arty and you love designing you don't have to necessarily be about the science you could be about the look of the product it could be about marketing the product for a STEM company to the customers. There's a space for you within the STEM community. And it's about bringing everybody on the journey about STEM. We we need STEM skills. We need STEM people in the future, because this is where it's going. Every single industry is becoming more technology based and we have to have that pipeline coming through. So we want to start that journey and support those students in that journey to hopefully encouraging them eventually to
0: end up in a STEM career or
1: STEM related business.
0: I think thinking about it in in the in the in the broadness of what that is, I think, is important because I think one of the one of the things for me sometimes when you think of of STEM is the fact that that's one thing, and you know you have the arts or the humanities mm-hmm. as something separate, like you say, and, and of course with steam, obviously you can see that into 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 interlinking much easier but like you say it's only when you kind of talk about it as in the breadth of what is involved in stem it's not that's not one subject that's this whole array of what the world is in reality um and and i think it's important to sort of make sure that everyone's really clear about that And, and like you say it's not just about a subject area or a way of life it's about the fact that it is involved in every part of your life really no matter where that happens to be i mean if we we just take today as an example you know we're here chatting online and there's a lot of technology involved there's marketing involved and like you say and all all of those things they just make a podcast um and and it really just you know that isn't the first thing you might think about when you're thinking about okay now we're going to do a stem project exactly and
1: what we have to do is we have to connect the the children with the actual real world and show them that stem is all around us it's in everything and sometimes i think children are a little bit disconnected they think it's a subject oh science is something we study in class because it's a school subject they don't see the relevancy of it outside oh technology oh we we do ict or we do information technology or whatever it is but it's a school subject that we study. It's not something that's around us in absolutely every facet of life. So it's not just down to teachers, it's down to parents, it's down to society as a whole to really engage these children and say, well, we can't assume that they think and they know what is going on around us because it's very clear when you speak to a lot of children that they aren't so clear about it. So parents have to talk to their children about technology, about science, about, Um, engineering, maths, they have to support their children to want to go into these areas because the research says that um, we can inspire children to love science and technology and STEM, but if the parents don't support it, then it's all lost. So um, I was recently at a STEM business breakfast event and there was um, someone from the northeast, one of the STEM ambassadors there, talking about how difficult it is to keep children's engagement in STEM, because you can go into a school, you can inspire them on a day and they really fire them up about STEM. But what, when they go home, they talk to the parents about it and the parents say, well, that's not really for you. So an example was um, the space industry. We The space industry in the UK is expanding massively. There's so much to space, not just like astronauts and uh, rocket scientists and things like that. There's a whole a field of people that are working in the space sector and it's expanding and they need to recruit more people into the space sector so they go into a school they inspire the kids about space they talk about Tim Peake and the International Space Station they talk about uh, like rockets they talk about um different aspects of space they they really fire the kids up and then they go home and then the parents say well um you'll never be able to be involved in space because um, you won't be an astronaut there's hardly any people become astronauts oh Tim Peake oh he's just a one-off um so it's almost closed down straight away so we have to change the parents attitude we have to say to them look you can negatively influence your child's view of the world by your attitude you might not have liked physics at school you might not like science you might find it boring but um, you can't impose that on your children because they will just absorb that and all the work that we're doing to inspire them into STEM is just lost.
0: And I think it's where, well, we've almost gone full circle now in terms of, like, say, having different organizations and different companies bringing this sort of understanding into education. And and like I say, and through parents and families and that as well, because I think certainly for me, as I was growing up, you need to know like I say what the aspiration is you know so for me I want to be a professional musician but that doesn't mean anything it was only the fact that I saw someone a little bit better than me in in playing at a higher standard in a in a different band and then someone else that was then in a a county organization and then they went to music college and then they were playing on the telly but you Mm -hmm. sort of saw each of the stages that got you from sort of a to b and I think like you said us having this conversation the fact that it's not just about that I'm sat at home now and I'd like to be Tim Peake it's about the fact that I can see oh I can go to STEM club we can have these Mm -hmm. conversations there's a million videos that I can be inspired about that kind of find my, sort of create my curiosity can be kind of encapsulated in the fact that I found this particular thing which is going to take me into another bit mm-hmm. of exciting experimentation and I can talk about that when I go to my next club and I can talk to you about it and then just all that sort of texture and fabric just enables you to get from the next step and you know that, that big philosophy you know all you can do is the next step but knowing that there are other steps that are going to take you in that general direction just really kind of fill you with confidence I think, then.
1: Yeah, exactly. But what we have to do is we have to show the children the pathways of how they could go from where they are now to where they want to be in the future. But we also have to say that, well, we don't really know what the future will look like. I mean, an eight-year-old, a nine-year-old in school at the moment, um, when they leave, say, college or university, or they do have an apprenticeship um, in 10 years' time, it might be a totally different world. I mean, robotics is coming in to take a lot of different jobs. Now, we need people that are creative, that are thinkers, that can imagine the future, and they can lead people along the right paths in the future. So we're not preparing them for any particular roles at the moment, because we don't really know what those roles will be. But what we know is we will need curiosity, we will need creativity, we'll need problem solvers, we'll need future generations to actually be big thinkers, and if we can inspire this at a young age, and say this is a pathway that you can take step by step to become this leader in your field. What that will look like in the future, we don't know. But all you can do, like you said, is take the next step. Take the next step. So, uh, from your STEM club, then you can go on to like say choose science subjects when you get to make choices, say at the end of year eight, and then you can go and do GCSEs, but also be looking around. What is it that's current? happening in the world of science what's happening in the current world of technology how are things developing in different ways you could then go and become say a cadet in the air force for example you could then go and become a member of say a coding club or you could become a member of some other society that takes things a little bit further uh, so you get to experience maybe the link between what's happening in the world outside you could go and do say work experience as a company i think that's really important that science companies tech companies they open their doors to students they allow them to come in do some work experience this is what it's like this is what our staff are working on at the moment this could be you in the future Um, show them there's apprenticeships so many great companies that offer apprenticeships but still not many students coming out of college after a levels know about apprenticeships they still think oh i've got to go to university well, no, you don't, you could start an apprenticeship and you could actually go on a path that you want to go on straight from say 18, you don't have to go to university. University is for some people, it's not for other people. So it's trying to make people aware of what is out there and getting them to think about their own skills, their own likes and dislikes and funneling them into something that they're going to
0: love. Yeah, there are a couple of things that really struck me there. One is the fact that I love the passion that you talk about in terms of that, you know, you basically create your own life, you know, like you say, you become the person that decides I want to be part of this club, I want to find out more, I want to do some work experience. And I think in the wider concept that's brilliant for people in terms of their well-being and mental health or however you want to box it because you actually feel like you're creating the life that you want to live and you're following your passions and what you're doing which is amazing um and so i think the more we kind of give students that sense of they have control over their life even within the 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 confines like we say we've already talked about in in terms of school i think i think that's 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 really key
1: yeah, because I think what we do is we write off whole groups of students based on what grades they get for GCSEs or what grades they get for A-levels. Or we sort of say, well, they those people have got like A's or A-stars. They must be amazing at this subject. And if you've not got that, that particular grade, then you mustn't be great at the subject. And that is totally untrue. There's a lot of students that are really passionate about subjects, that are brilliant at subjects. But for whatever reason, written exams or whatever it is, just don't work for them. But we're we're almost stopping that pipeline and we're saying to them, well, oh, you can't choose. You only get to choose. You only develop the life you want if you get these particular grades. And it's destroying a lot of our young people that grades are not everything and we want to inspire them to be learners for life we want to have them on the journey that they can create what they want their life to be there's so many opportunities for them
0: yeah and that that sort of brings me really nicely to my second point is the fact that the idea of the of the project um, i think is fantastic because it takes you away from the grade idea like you said and also the fact that like we, we don't know what the projects of the future are going to be <laughs> and, and so, so think- once you once once the project which you can call anything, is something you're used to being in. It doesn't matter what the problem is. It doesn't matter where you end up doing it, because like I said, all those skills that you said are so important earlier on become your, your armory and your toolbox and enable you to then go out into the world and create what you need. And I think that then fills you with confidence and it's very exciting about what the future um, could look like for you in in whatever field you go into.
1: Yeah, and I think what we have to do is to make sure the children know the relevance of what's happening in their local areas. We have to link it back to them and their experiences. And the problems that have to be solved in the future might be massive. So we think about global warming, climate change, we think about um, like peace in Europe, we think about um, like pandemics, whatever it is. These are massive, massive challenges. But the people that are actually dealing with solving those problems must have started at some point developing their ability to think through problems and how they're going to approach things. And so if we can do that at a young age, but let those children see the relevance in their local area. There's so many problems around us. We probably see these big problems as being the only problems, but just simple things like um, looking at say, the amount of litter and talking about say, sustainability and packaging and things like that, that, everyone can see around them in the local area if we can get the children to develop links between what could we do to actually solve these issues then they're more likely to be engaged with say problem solving and then develop those key skills that will allow them to do something on a much bigger scale in the future
0: yeah absolutely because like i say even if you take the pandemic if you think of the millions of people working to to support everybody during that they were all focusing on their little part of whatever it was that was helping whether it's manufacturing something whether it was vaccines whether it was um media and getting the the messages out all of that kind of thing everyone had their own little role based on their part of their world in their job or their community um to do that and i think yeah like i say making all those things very clear are absolutely um um really important uh like i say from such an early age as well
1: and, and that's what we've got to say that collaboration we can't do things on our own countries should not be looking to isolate themselves from the world they shouldn't be looking to um think oh what about us we are a global world we're very interconnected the only way we will solve problems and issues is if we work collaboratively and i guess we have to teach our children to work with everybody there's lots of people that they won't agree with there's lots of like races lots of religions nationalities they all bring their own identities their own uh, visions for things but we've got to be able to talk to everybody and to work for the common good and not for individuals or individual countries
0: and this takes us really nicely into a little bit of the, the, the podcast in terms of, of your sort of education history because I think what we're talking about is getting this message across to people um and and so often we, we talk about there's usually a teacher or an experience which kind of sort of got you excited about life or, or a particular area or whatever so is, is there a teacher or an experience that you'd like to share?
1: so for me i think it was my science teachers now we had quite a few brilliant chemistry teachers at school who uh, really inspired me some of the demonstrations they did some of the experiments they allowed us to do um, that really fired my interest in chemistry and that's ultimately why i went to become um, a chemistry teacher through doing a chemistry degree through studying chemistry physics maths at a level um, through opting to do science subjects at GCSE. So uh, I, I wouldn't like to just single out one teacher. I'd say there's are many, many different science teachers who all have their own personality. They all have their own take on the subject, but they're all passionate about it. And what they taught me was basically a love of learning. So um, I'm naturally a very curious person, but I was very fortunate through my own educational um, experiences to be really supported in being curious and they always encourage me to ask questions they uh, encouraged me to think critically about the experiments I was doing what's happening what's hap- what's working what's not working how could we change it Um they developed like a, a tenaciousness in me and a belief that I could do what I wanted to do in the future and so I was really lucky it was a combination of many 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 different teachers also my parents and um, they were all very very supportive but they never closed me down they never stopped me asking questions and that's form part of my educational beliefs that I think it's so crucial. You allow kids to ask questions, even if you don't know the answers, you can then go and find that together. But you can't say, um, oh, it's not right, because it's not right. You can't sort of close them down, stop them questioning, stop questioning it, just take it. Because as soon as we do that, then we're actually like disabling our society for the future.
0: Yeah, and I think that really encapsulates that whole idea that around every child there's a community and that's the family, it's the schools, it's the clubs, it's it's every part of that. And I think knowing where we fit in that and and how what we say and how we sort of in, encapsulate that is really, really key, you know, like I say, in terms of how any child sort of views what, what is possible going forward. Yeah, definitely. Is there a piece of advice that you were given um, that is really sort of giving you that impetus to to take things forward in your life or is there a piece of advice that you might give your younger self now that would have would have certainly helped you on that journey
1: i think um my dad's probably given me the most um, crucial advice which is to be in the moment so don't think about the past don't think about the future live absolutely every second that you're in at that particular time because you can't change you can't get that moment back, and there's infinite possibilities in every single moment. If you think about how many seconds there are in a day, things can change within a second. I mean, I've experienced it so much in my life where I think I've got things sorted and then something changes or something comes in or a new opportunity. And like every day now I wake up thinking, I'm really excited about what today could bring because it's potential to absolutely transform everything every day that you have so you've got to make the most of it so being in the moment you can only do something in the moment you can't affect uh, what's in the future right now the future will be what it is um and i think a lot of the time we've got to realize that there's a lot of things that are happening forces that are outside our control that if we're worrying about something happening well we can't control that necessarily um there are big forces at work that we just don't have control of so it's about accepting that we're going to face everything that we face head on but in the moment and so i have my dad to thank for that particular kind of um view of the world and how it's affected me uh, at this moment in time
0: yeah, I think it's incredibly important. And it is at the heart of absolutely everything. And I think everybody, especially when they just take a breath and, and, and think about how their life looks on any given moment, like you say, it's only in that moment that you can actually um, fully embrace it and, and take it. And I think if you see everything as a succession of those moments, then you're never going to be too far away from your, from yourself, which is important. Like you say, and I think all the things we've spoken about so far on the podcast comes from all of those individual moments. So I think that awareness of everything as the whole, I think, is is a really powerful, powerful thing. Is there a resource you'd like to share? And this can be a podcast, a book, a video, song, film, any anything which has had an impact.
1: I think uh, for me there's been a lot of books that i've read um over the years that i've taken little bits and pieces out of that basically have made the person that i am today but one of the books that had the biggest impact was actually nelson mandela's um, long walk to freedom so that particular book is just so inspiring because it's about resilience and the the challenges that he faced throughout his life but the positivity that he kept coming back and being resilient and just he, he was one person that embodied like approaching every moment, everything as an opportunity. And he might've spent a lot of time in prison, but that did not dull his um, positivity and his will for change. And when he was released from um, house captivity, he went on to do amazing things in South Africa. And that has to be uh, an example for everyone in the world that uh, no matter how dark things are at the present, there is always opportunity for things to get better. And I know South Africa is not perfect now, but it is a lot better um, than it was. And it's a lot of it has to be contributed to Nelson Mandela.
0: And the thing that always really strikes to the heart of me about his story is just the amount of patience and the amount of time um, that when he was in prison, but just the kind of, you know, we all want something to happen today or tomorrow or very soon and and just to know that you know that like you said there is a journey going on here and forces at work which are often outside of our control and to be able to sort of have that resilience and that that kind of understanding but sheer belief in in what it is that you're doing for the greater good is in is incredibly important and 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 in in terms of that we've spoken a couple of these things already but As we just wrap up in terms of our fire idea of feedback inspiration um resilience and empowerment it it strikes me at the moment that we've talked about that sense of you can have inspiration and you can you can be in a classroom and and you can say yeah we can do this but then that dies if you don't have some resilience um in order to when the setbacks do happen that you can go forward and you also need the empowerment of of being able to go, yeah, this is my next step. Like we said, each of those situations. So so what what does that sort of FIRE idea mean to you?
1: So I think the FIRE idea is absolutely key and crucial, and I love absolutely every aspect of it. The feedback, the inspiration, the resilience, the empowerment, that is basically what we need to succeed in four words. Um, For me, uh, looking from a STEM point of view, we've had STEM, which is science, technology, engineering, maths, We then went to STEAM, which was science, technology, engineering, arts, and maths, and we've actually now taken it a step further to STEAM-E. And this is European-funded research, and the E is now entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial skills. And I think this... um, research that was funded by the EU was looking at the future, what do they believe education will be in the future, and they came up with this STEAMy. And it's about um, getting people into science subjects, technology subjects, using engineering and the arts to create the future, but then being able to sell it to people in terms of enterprise. And I think this steamy school is basically about empowerment. It's about empowering the future. What will education look like? What does it need to be? Well, it needs to deliver people that have the right skills to be able to push technology businesses, science businesses forward in the future. Um, It needs resilience because without resilience, you're just gonna give up because the future is ours to create. We might make lots of mistakes and that is absolutely fine. It's about finding what is the actual right path. And we have to teach children that making mistakes is absolutely fine. But the resilience is you get back up and then you try again. Because life is not perfect. Every single person is making mistakes, whether they like to admit it or not. And there's no perfect situation where everyone's going to get things right. And if there was, then we would not be pushing the boundaries like we should be. So mistakes is all about Learning from that. And that feeds back into feedback because you only know you made mistakes if someone is willing to share their expertise with you to say, well, actually, that's not right, or maybe you should try this way. And by doing that, hopefully, you will inspire the children to be the best that they can be and not take failure as a bad thing. Failure is great because it's an opportunity to succeed. And successes only come after you've learned from things that didn't work.
0: Yeah, I love that you've you've put that so so brilliantly. And I and I think that the my final thought at having had this wonderful conversation is the fact that you you mentioned about being in the moment, and and I think one other thing that goes with that is actually taking everything just as it is, um, because like you say, sometimes when you have feedback, you take it personally, or when people are trying to support you, you get a little bit defensive, or. And and I think the way you, you sort of said about all those things, they come together, you know, each of those four elements, but also life generally. You have to take everything, um, the people involved in your life, what you're trying to do, whether this is about um a, a moment of growth or it's about reflection or it's about resilience or you know, you take it all as one moment and then decide what to do and just take it on face value for what it is and then take the next step so um it's been absolutely fascinating chatting to you and i'm really excited about what it is that you're trying to to share with the world so so tell people where they can find out more and how they can get in touch
1: so um our company is green apple education limited and like I say we founded it in 2008 and it's been going quite a while um, you can connect with us at www.greenappleeducation.co.uk and you can actually see the kind of work that we've been doing on there, a few examples. Um, and if you want to hear more about Phosphor Resources, we've got a website, which is www.phosphorescience.com, which have a lot of our resources that we're bringing in modern day science, modern day technology uh, into a format that nine to 13 year olds can understand and they can appreciate the world outside them. And then on the back of that Phosphor, we've basically started our STEM boxes, which we bring in from America. We add our resources together and then we put them into STEM clubs. And so you can follow us on Facebook. You can find out more about us um, by following the links that we put out there or looking at our websites.
0: Fantastic. And we'll make sure that we have links to all those things on the show notes. So if you go to far.com, um, and in the search part, put Andrew Lockery in there, um that will all pop up for you. So Andrew, thank you so much indeed for being here. It's been a fascinating conversation, and I wish you all the best as this project moves forward. um and thanks so much for inspiring people and and being the guiding light.
1: Thanks very much for having me on, Mark. I really enjoyed our conversation today. And hopefully together we can continue to inspire uh, a lot of children to actually follow FIRE, to take feedback, to be inspired, to be resilient and ultimately be empowered to take their own life forward in the direction they want it to go in.
0: Thank you for listening and being part of this wonderful community. With over 300 episodes, I've collated 20 resources from guests that have been on the show to help you in your educational journey and those of you involved with young people. Just go to educationonfire.com and you can sign up on the homepage. Thanks for listening to the Education on Fire podcast. For more information of each episode and to get in touch, go to educationonfire.com. Education is not the filling of a pail lighting of a fire.